You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. Mitch Hotch with you this morning. Uh, relatively quiet morning in terms of just company news and market movement. Not a ton of movement here overnight, but the story of the day is probably there is a lot of economic data today. And I, I know we don't talk about that much on the show. Economic data doesn't really move. Most of it doesn't really move the market, pre-market, but there is just a ton of data today. Uh, I'll just I'll run through those at some point during the show, but we have a couple of earnings on our radar. We're going to talk Nikola. Of course, the CEO was on Mad Money last night. Uh, that interview kind of backfiring here this morning. We see a lot of times a Kramer pump. Today, we're seeing a Kramer drop. Uh, we've got two guests on today. Mark Chaikin will be on at, at 8.15. And then at 9, I'll be joined by Davis Gaines. He's the president of Gatsby Trading. Uh, let's throw it to Joel now. Joel, tell us how we're doing here overnight. I mentioned it's a pretty quiet pre-market session just in terms of the indice movement. But uh, walk us through what's happening. Uh, decent range overnight. Uh, we're down a buck and a quarter at 36.3150. Pre-market high, 36.55. Pre-market low, 36.2450. Crude continuing to rally. That's up 40 cents at 45.31. Gold trying to rebound off 1800. That's up 560 at 1816.50. Silver right in the middle of the 23 handle here. Uh, that's up nine cents at 23.50. And then you have uh, Bitcoin uh, still working on uh, getting over that $20,000 hurdle. Currently up $250 at $19,360. So here we are, uh, pre-Thanksgiving day, uh, trading day, maybe a little bit lighter volume. Dennis, what are you seeing out there? Um, it's, you know, the indices, I don't know what's going on. The indices aren't keeping up with the stocks. We've got a lot of stocks that are really beat up here this morning. So I know you can bring up your IWM and you say, oh, it's giving back a little bit there. But then you go to stocks like Goldman Sachs, Citigroup's trading down one and a half percent. Um, oil stocks getting hit pretty good. It's, um, you know, all these stocks were up significantly yesterday and you're seeing profit taking. 
in the reopening stocks. It's very clear here in the pre-market. So sometimes the indices don't tell you the entire story. There is definitely a reopening profit-taking trade happening here this morning, meaning the reopening stocks are down. Well, big rally in these stocks, right? So people want to take yep. some profits, right? I, mean... I think so. I think that's what it is. I mean, we saw the profit ta taking and we kind of called it in a lot of those little momentum names like the fuel cells. You know, we saw this yesterday. Um, fuel cell ripped again right in the morning. But if you were buying it right in that opening rip and it opened way right at the highs, you're quietly down if you bought that opening tick, uh, which is up at $11 just like that is trading at $7. So, I mean, we warned about this and we warned that eventually the chart, um, the fuel cell chart would look eerily similar to that ACB chart. If you bring up that ACB chart, you can see, you know, you had the big spike, the big move, and then boom, boom, boom. In three days, it gives it all back. Well, we had the first day on fuel cell and it's given back a good chunk of it. So I'd expect, you know, maybe some consolidation here, but I don't think this one comes right back. I think, I think it was a blow off top there yesterday i think you saw the blow off top in a lot of those little momentum names although some of them held up well like i sold some of my jamaya because it was like oh this is it you know it looks like it's going to be the blow off top but then it kind of came back towards the end of the day so you know these trades aren't totally done but there was definitely some profit taking in them yesterday so more the, the story of yesterday despite the market being up significantly and there was stocks that were just ripping don't kid yourself the reopening stocks were ripping higher to new highs so no profit taking to be had there but there was some profit taking in some of those little momentum names that had been running 20, 30% a day. It was kind of a move into the other trade, a rotation in the stocks that hadn't really went yet. Some of the reopening stocks, but even into the mega caps, we talked about the rotation out of the mega caps the day before. Some of that rotated back in yesterday, Apple having an okay day. Um, but again, it was a reopening trade yesterday. Uh, actually, the fuel cell, I did that as the uh, pre-market prep stock of the day. And... Um... And you made that exact analogy about uh, ACB. I got caught, and then uh, we were talking about this one on the uh, on the late show yesterday, and then the importance of that closing price from Wednesday's Wednesday's close. I believe it was eight fifty five. That area held up in the morning. I'm talking about this price action right here. But once you lost that closing price, boom! People were on the defense with the mark and then we also talked about if it got anywhere near that area overnight so if you were so inclined to get up at four o'clock you almost it almost got there it got to 841 so that's just a little emphasis on the closing price now just trickling down i mean uh, from a daily perspective you guys see what happens at yesterday's low if anybody's actually Still trading this. Uh, yesterday's low, 658 and 615 your two-day low. So good support in the lower six handle. Might just have a little quiet day. Just chop around and make just drive the bulls and the bears crazy. I'm kind of getting driven crazy here today too, Joel, just with so much individual rotation. <laughs> I mean, it's rotating this way one day. It's rotating this way the next day. Um, it's, it's a crazy market that just continues to rotate around. And if you're in the right stocks, you're loving the day. And if you're in the wrong stocks, you're not loving the day so much. And how the hedges working out? Are the hedges no, working? no, it's weird today. Um, you know, I can give you an example here of just a lot of weird stuff happening. So you got QQQ trading higher and I trade the FNGU, which is a triple levered one. Sometimes it's trading down two and a half percent right now. So you, it's levered. So it means it's three to one. 
but that would mean, you know, you just knock off three to one. Usually it's trained down two and a half percent when the QQQs are down about 0.6.7%. And if you break it up, it's basically 10 stocks. The FNGU holds levered Twitter. So you can go to Twitter and it's trading slightly down. So that's kind of contributing to it. You can go to Tesla and it's trading. Well, Tesla's turned red now too. See, so it's starting to play catch up here and it's catching up by starting to hit some of those stocks. Apple has given back its gains and it's flat. I don't know what's holding up the queues. You know, maybe we could just go back to the queues here because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of stocks, even tech stocks. Alibaba's in there and it's trading down. Netflix is flat. I guess Amazon's up slightly. Amazon's there. up a little bit. Slides Microsoft is up a little bit. It's just a mixed market. It's a mixed market. We'll say that. So it's kind of you know if you're in the right stocks, you're happy. If you're in the wrong stocks, you're like oh. So my I'm in the wrong stocks today. <laughs> when you do an ARB, it sometimes you know works out, sometimes doesn't. It's one of those days where it's not going that well for me. Okay, we're just uh, dancing around unchanged. Uh, even though we hit our all-time high uh, three weeks ago on Monday. Was it three weeks ago? No, two weeks ago. Uh, all-time closing high was made yesterday at uh, 36.32.75. So just dancing around unchanged here early this morning. I know we got Mark coming on in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have some retail earnings? You want to discuss that or do you want to yeah. discuss uh, Nicola? Ooh. I do, but uh, but before we go there, Let's I just start want to, with. Okay, I go ahead. Want to, I want to commend Dennis here because Dennis, it sounded like to me like you were pretty bullish for the first two thirds of our show yesterday, and then you just kind of flipped on a dime. And I know that's what that's what trading is all about. And you ended up being right, you know, like you, on those you, little you, stocks, not on the market. Yeah. I was I was talking right. like the Jamayas, the ones that I was up like a hundred percent on in a week. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. You could kind of see it. Um, you know, and then Jeremy, but you know, the overall market was very strong yesterday. So it wasn't a call on the overall market. I was just like trying to lock in some of those gains, fuel cell, Jemaya. Like I didn't have fuel cell, but if I did, I would have been locking in the gains there. I sold a bunch of those little Momo names yesterday. Um, just because I felt like they were way overdone. You know, Kenny was tweeting it out too. You know, stocks just don't go up a hundred percent in five days. So, you know, they're, they were overdone. So a little cool off period doesn't mean the stories are over. It just means they're cooling off. So, but thank you. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing it again this morning. I mean, Blink is down uh, LI, all these, these hot EV names, right? Uh, Candy, I, LI, BLNK, uh, Nikola leading the way downward uh, for the yeah. EV. And that is the follow through from the CEO's interview on mad money last night. Yep. Uh, looking for clarity on the G uh, GMDL did not get that. And also acknowledgement uh, of the upcoming lockup expiration. Yep. So first, actually, there are two big dates next week. The, the lockup expiration is the first. Did I get that right? The The deadline for the, the GM deal after which either side can walk away is the third. And I okay. believe the lockup. Well, I got some dates there. That's important. And then I believe the lockup. Uh, one, one to the I think third it's next week. Yeah, they're both next week. That's what I'm saying. But uh, the lock, the 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 deadline for the deal is the third, and the deadline for the or the lockup is, I had it here. I think it's the first. At sometime next week. Uh, yeah, it's it's the 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 lockup ends the first. That's Tuesday. The deadline for the deal, after which either side can walk away, is the third. So, and then he we didn't really get clarity. He didn't really say much of anything when pressed about either topic. Yeah. So. I watched this and traded it. Um, I am out of my Nikola, my swing trade. I sold it yesterday into the ridiculous pop that it had yesterday. So it was a gift, obviously. Um, I didn't even get anywhere near 37.95. That would have been sweet. <laughs> that would have been um, hard. But, you know, I, I honestly, I sold it early. 
uh, because I thought everything was rolling over. I knew it was coming on Mad Money. Um, so, but I, at the same time, I was like, I, I was seeing all those little momentum names and the EV names start to roll over. And I was like, no, I'm booking this. So I sold in the 31 handle, which is actually near the low of the day yesterday. So it wasn't a good sale at all. Maybe it was in the 32 handle, but no, I think it was 31 handle. Well, yeah, the low was 30.59. So in that opening, like first, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And then you had the the move, like, holy mackerel, Nikola just exploded. It's like all of a sudden everybody realized it was coming on mad money, which he had said earlier. And, you know, the stock went up to 37 bucks and then it hung out. So it was an interesting interview last night because he started and, you know, I jokingly tweeted and people, you know, take jokes out of context. It's hard to joke on Twitter. But, you know, he, the first thing, he, he, you know, Kramer was pressed him on was, you know, what about the trucks? He's like, you know, and he's like talking about the truck rolling down the hill. And he's like, well, I can assure you, he says we have trucks that work. And then I tweeted that out. I said, oh, look, the stock's going up because they have trucks that work. It was a joke, guys. Um, but anyways, everybody's, you know, take it out of context, you know, saying the stock's not going up, it's going down. Well, if you would have read my second tweet, though, my second tweet said the actual reason it was going down. And that was as soon as they started pressing him on Trevor Milton, he started hitting Trevor Milton hard and the lockup expiration. He's like, is Milton going to sell shares? Kramer kept pressing him. Is Milton going to sell shares? He's like, I can't comment on Trevor Milton. I can't comment on what, you know, the shares are going to do. And as he continued to press and as he continued to say, I can't comment on that, the stock just started tanking and tanking and tanking and went from 34 and a half to 33 to 32 to 31 and then this morning it's 29 and a half so it was all that pressing by kramer on trevor milton because he has a huge stake and basically kramer was implying trevor milton's probably going to sell all his shares he's not involved in the company anymore he might sell all his shares next week and that could put pressure on the stock so and the ceo would not comment on that and that's he why can't really comment though no i know yeah. it's not it wasn't I mean, that's kind wrong. of a that, that's kind of you know he he knows that. I mean, how long has he been around in the markets? He knows he can't comment on that. But I mean, was, that was going at him. I mean, yeah. Yeah, how do you know what the personal like? You know, I'm a smart man, but you know, here Trevor Milton is not involved in the company anymore. I don't really know. I can predict exactly what he is going to do, even if he tells us what he's not going or, or going to or not going to do. It's a hard thing to actually predict it. So I felt sorry for the CEO on Mad Money last night because Kramer was just attacking him. I don't know why he all of a sudden decided like he was going on full attack mode. Like usually Kramer is kissing butt on when the CEOs come on. Like he wants them to come back. He's being nice. He's plugging their stocks on 90, 90% of the time he's bullish. But this segment, he started, he turned it about halfway through and Kramer just started attacking him. And the well, guy just kept saying, I can't comment on that. I can't comment on that. And it really went south in a hurry. So this I, I, Nicola Mark, ball uh, is mostly to do with that Kramer interview. Mark Russell like deflected the the Trevor comments and the questions about this the lockup, which which is you know that's what he's supposed to do. I thought it was more about the lack of clarity on on, on the GM deal again, which the deadline is coming up next week. So uh, next uh, what next Thursday? Well, he wouldn't comment on any of that either. It was just no yeah, problem. I, I can't that's, comment on that why either. Did he go Wait, why are you on the show? You can't comment on anything. <laughs> but, thing, but, on but he probably you know he can't comment on stuff like that. He can't comment on pending deals. So we got no more clarity on any of that stuff. And you know think about the think about the fluff that was in that. You had a six point run up. Because he was going to be on Mad Money at one point in time yesterday, which was just insanity. You know, you see these things sometimes run up on when they're going to be on Mad Money. But to run that 31 to 37 after, you know, it gets, you know, officially announced or whatever, he's going to be on Mad Money. It was just a crazy move. You know, it was a crazy move. when I bought it 22 seven sessions ago. I sold it the 31 handle yesterday. I mean, and I, and I watched go to 37. I was like, wow, I was wrong. But 
I guess a little bit know. of a short squeeze. I I would assume. I I, th- I think it was just the Mad Money that that he said it. You know that they were going to be on Mad Money. He said it earlier. I don't know if everybody's paying attention to it. He said it around like nine o'clock, and then the EV sell off. But then again at ten, you know, he f- officially announces it, and they put the Nicola you know picture up there, and that that's really where it's really started taking off for the next hour. So everybody just trying to get ahead of the mad money trade. Well, that mad money trade turned. I hope they got out after hours that they were getting in it because they are down significant amounts of money here this morning if you were just buying that because it was going to be on mad money. Sometimes these interviews go south. All right, let's bring on our guest here, Mark Chaikin. He is the founder of Chaikin Analytics, joins us every other week, usually on Thursdays, but obviously it's a short week. So, Mark, good morning. Morning, Spencer and team. We have a team. We, we do have a team here. Mark, what have you been making out of this, this rotation? It seems like this, this sort of back and forth. Some days it's, you know, it's reopening. Some days it's just we're going to buy all the EV stocks. Yesterday they kind of sold off a little bit. So, like, what is your, what is your take on, on the state of the market right now? Well, I think the best way to get a handle on the market is to look at some of the equal weighted ETFs. So uh, everybody has been bashing tech, you know, big mega tech is – under pressure, except perhaps for Google. But if you look at the RYT, which is the Invesco equal weighted large cap technology index, made a new all time high yesterday. Uh, Same thing with the equal weighted S&P, the RSP. So uh, the rotation is healthy. I think tech has another life left in it, but uh, you've got to be a bit selective. And I think this is all very healthy for higher prices ahead uh, to year end and beyond. One thing we haven't mentioned yet uh, um, um, uh, this morning, at least in the first 17 minutes, is, is Dow 30K. Yeah. All right. We yeah, made where's it. Jer- where's Jeremy Siegel when we need him? I don't know. Uh, not watching our show. but He's um, actually Mark. bullish, uh, according to CNBC yesterday. Mark, does does that tell you anything about, you know, what could be in favor? You know, the, people are saying, you know, that the, the Dow – you know, reaching this milestone, it, 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 you know, it gives, it means that industrials are, could potentially help us out here. We're not going to have to rely on the same dozen or half dozen tech stocks to drive the market higher. Like we have been for the past several years. Do you put in any like weight in that? No. Yeah. That's <laughs> short answer. That's I what I, we'll give you the short answer here. Yeah. I think w- the, the key news of the week was the fact that Biden is going to appoint Janet Yellen as treasury secretary. That is the single most bullish thing for the market other than the vaccines that we could have heard because it means there'll be a coordinated fiscal and monetary policy going forward um, with the caveat that the the Republicans in the Senate are going to push back on large stimulus bills. But Janet Yellen, as early as as July, August, um, made a very serious op-ed statement about the need for fiscal a stimulus in conjunction with monetary policy. And I think this is the most bullish uh, appointment that Biden could have made. I, I guess if people, I guess we can take a bite of the, uh, the, as short as they were the days of what felt like the executive branch and the federal reserve fighting, because those days are going to be over if, if, if Janet Yellen is, is at the treasury. Um, and so, you, so you've got the vaccine, you've got, you've got Janet Yellen. Is there any other, catalyst you're watching for i guess before the end of the year here we're, we're sort of in this i almost hate to use the word melt up but i'm just using what uh, other people's. it's a word that i've been using it is yeah. a slow melt up and we're uh, the phrase that i've been um 
embracing for the last seven months is blue sky territory. It started with the NASDAQ, the S&P caught up. Now you've got the IWM small cap index. There's no overhead resistance. These yep. indices, except now for the NASDAQ, are at new all-time highs. It's blue sky territory. And yep. whether you look for short squeezes, whether you look for a lack of sellers and concerted buying in some of these EV companies, some of the SPACs, um, these crazy moves in stocks like Palantir and Jumia, um, it's because there's no overhead resistance. These are stocks making new all-time highs, some cases that recently gone public. And we're sort of in 1999, but the early part of 99, maybe even 97, 98, if you want an analogy, which to me means there's much higher prices coming in 2021. I, mean, so I think the me... rest of the year, you just sort of position yourself in the stocks that did well you know, through Thanksgiving. And that usually means you're going to be in the right stocks through year end. So I mean, I, I completely agree with you here, Mark, you just look and you know, something that we say on this show all the time is I never want to be sure to stock making new all time highs, because there's no pain, there's no trick. overhead supply. I who, mean, when you've got all the indi indices, now making new highs, and you've got this setup into seasonality where we're coming into what's historically a very good month, December, what is a very good month for the markets. Um, and then you couple in, you know, a lot of people who are still playing while well, the virus is still out there and they're still playing the bearish theme. This sets up for a melt up into the end of the year. So Absolutely. that's why every single dip, even as small, you know, as they are, seems to be just met with new buyers. And, you know, I'm one of those buyers, you know, because I'm not fully invested in my long-term account. Every time we pull back a little bit, I want to get some more money into this market to work because I don't want to be, you know, I've got the FOMO a little bit as well. I, I agree. And there are uh, opportunities. I love Pinterest. I think it's the anti-Facebook. It's the feel-good social site where people actually go to do something, you know, find decorating ideas or fashion ideas. And it's had a nice dip from the, I don't know, 69 level down to 62.80 yesterday, uh, trading at 64 pre-opening. These opportunities to buy stocks on a 10% pullback in two days, I think, are what people should be looking for. But uh, Dennis, before we do that, let's do a little stock market quiz. Who, uh -oh. who coined the phrase, never sell a stock making a new high and why? I thought I did. You didn't. <laughs> okay, Justin, I didn't know. Justin, I didn't apparently. Justin Mamus. <laughs> Joel know, know this. Joel know. Yeah, it's Justin. Wrote to Joel. I've no. Who was it? Justin Mamus. He was one of the great. I think he's ill, but not, but still alive. He's probably in his nineties. One of the great stock market technicians. I think he was with Oppenheimer. I was going to go with Jesse Livermore, but no, Jesse Livermore coined no, a lot of stuff. No, Justin Mamus has a book called When to Sell. And in that book, uh, he talked about. Is it blank? When to sell. Because <laughs> you're never supposed to sell, Mark. <laughs> no, that's right. Uh, I wrote a book. It's When to Sell. Here it is. How about, how about the money that the. Remember when they said millennials would never buy individual stocks? And, you know, suddenly Robinhood comes along and they're driving stocks like Palantir and Jumia and the EV companies. It's really amazing. I don't remember that, but I do remember when they said that the boomers were going to have to sell all their stocks to retire and that was going to drive the market down. And that has not happened. And they're so. not going to buy houses, right? <laughs> so yeah. many things. Um, Mark, I, I'm curious. And I also want to pose this question to our chat. 
not not every year, but but sometimes after Thanksgiving, on and after Thanksgiving, you get you can get some bubbles, right? It happened in the dot-com bubble, as Joe Wiesenthal pointed out uh, in his newsletter this morning, that the peak happened really in those few months after Thanksgiving, 2000. It happened in Bitcoin, 2017. We saw that, I mean, Bitcoin was already rallying, but then we saw even more ridiculous rally after Thanksgiving, really from there to the end of the year. Um, is there anything is, is that, 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 that can happen to this year? I mean, Bitcoin is back again at just about all time highs. Are we going to get an, I mean, we're not going to be gathering around the table, most of us at least. Uh, so there maybe won't be as much word of mouth happening, but anything that you could see running really, really hard. Like we've been talking about EV stocks now for like a month, I mean longer, but the real movie has been going on for a month on this show. The most recent move are people going to, you know, tell their friends and their cousins about that. And they're, and it's going to, you know, happen again. There's going to be another EV move. I'm just curious if you think there's going to be any like real, like follow through trades from after Thanksgiving? I really don't know. I think a lot of the communication is, is done on these, um, what used to be called chat rooms. I don't know what we call them now, but places like stock twits where people yeah. just promote stocks all day long in, in um, specific uh, stock rooms. It's already going on is, the, is probably my answer, Spencer. Uh, again, I'll go back to the move you had in, um, Jumia, uh, some research firm in Chicago recommended it at 17 last Tuesday, and the stock hit 32 yesterday. Just got, got it went crazy. Yeah, I actually had was participating in this move. I've still got a small piece left, but I sold the majority of it yesterday because I just felt like yeah, it feels crazy. But feels you know, crazy. if that was 40 in a week, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I think you have Citron Research behind it with a hundred hundred dollar price targets. Hundred, he was on. fifty about two a week ago. So I think he put a hundred. Wasn't it a hundred, Spencer? I think he said it could go can't to hundred bucks. I can't remember. Yeah. What I, about this oil rally, Mark? I think it's a it's for real because China. If you look at the airline statistics in China, uh, airline miles flown are going up. And uh, I've never been a big fan of energy over the last two years, but I wouldn't stand in the way of it. Um, and I guess it's possible in a Biden administration that fossil fuels make a comeback, but that seems less likely. So. If, if I was long, I, I might be inclined to sell into this rally. I certainly wouldn't be short because um, you, you have all this latent buying power in the S&P um, that, that's coming in. All right. Mark Chaikin is the founder of Chaikin Analytics, joins us every other week on the show. Mark, we always appreciate your perspective. Uh, good to have you on today. Have a happy holiday. We'll talk to you and, uh, again in December. And to all of you, it's a... Uh, uh, Thanksgiving to be joyful that we're here and hopefully we haven't been uh, tinged with the sadness of a relative uh, dying of COVID, that, but this is true. a good year guys. And, and it's going to be even better in 2021 with a vaccine. I think we have a lot to be thankful for. We can certainly hope. All right. Thanks a lot, Mark. All right, uh, be good. I, I just want to say real quick, I mentioned at the top of the show today might be a record day on the economic data front uh, only because obviously the markets are closed uh, tomorrow. And we have a half day on Friday. So I just wanted to give you just a quick rundown here. We're going to get durable goods at 8.30, uh, jobless claims at 8.30, the latest GDP revision at 8.30, international trade at 8.30, uh, retail and wholesale inventories at 8.30, new home sales at 10, 
and there is about wow. a dozen, a, a dozen wow. more. That things. is a lot, huh? About, Triple yeah. D, you better be on your toes there at uh, at eight thirty. There, go wide. That's, that's two minutes away. So should I pull yeah. my orders in? So <laughs> tell you, what you're saying is remind you again in a minute and a half. <laughs> yeah, I gotta stay out there as long as I possibly can. So I'm running tell, again, uh, a minute fifty. The the close has been pesky here. I mean, I know we're bouncing around pretty good, but um, I think that's going to be pretty pretty much the focus for today. 32-75, your all-time closing high in the index yesterday. Keep an eye right. on that. Let, let's go to some retail. At, at least we'll cover one stock before. If E30 ends up being a, being a thing, I'm not sure any of those numbers are going to move the market, but let's go to with Nordstrom here. Uh, Nordstrom and, and Gap. But we'll start with Nordstrom. Sure. They reported earnings last night. It was an EPS beat, twenty-two cents versus a six-cent loss estimate. Sales of just over three billion versus a three point six three point six billion in the same quarter a year ago. So an, an earnings beat for Nordstrom. Uh, Gap is the other thing. Gap was an earnings miss. So Nordstrom up, Gap down. Um, Nordstrom got hit initially on the initial numbers. I actually knocked this below 24. I don't know what they were thinking because I was like, oh, this looks like a good report. Um, anyways, if you were so inclined to buy that small dip there, you were immediately rewarded. I was nervous because it had run from 12 to 24, and I was like, oh, maybe they're going to slam it because they think everything good is priced in, but it was a pretty good report. And then they turned around and started buying it and buying it up. But I mean, you got to put it in perspective. The stock on November the 6th, which that. we're talking. 12 bucks yeah it's it's up 120 percent in one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen trading sessions so it, it's now like you're coming in now you're late to the party so i mean we were 40 dollars in nordstrom when COVID started we're 25 and a half now are we in a better shape than we were when it started probably not um i don't know i mean i i if it got a nice pullback down the 20 area i think i'd be interested but it's hard to just jump in here and be bullish on Nordstrom at, you know, after a 120% move. Uh, I'd, I mean, I looked at this one on the uh, the late show and I was like, how can you be short this thing, right? This kind of, it's been a rocket ship. Uh, I say, I, I'll stay in the bull camp as long as it stays above 25. Now I know it's, you know, 89 cents above that. And the reason I like that area is uh, when you got the pop in June, that was probably June 8th when, uh, you know, the airlines, everything popped, you got the 2479. And then you gave it all back and, and that month and ended up going down and making the low at 1172. And then yesterday you hit, you hit 2479, you closed up near that area. Now you're punching through 25. So I don't know if someone really wants to book some profits at 25 and they're, they're getting a, you know, an opportunity with it, you know, up 78 cents from there, they could easily, you know, knock it down and, and get out of the position. So I, I'll, I'll hold on to that pre-market high. I don't think you're going to see that that comes in at uh 26 50. So 25 level of the day. I don't, Pre-market low, who knows if uh, you reversed. Dennis, you mentioned that was way down there at uh, 2370. But boy, oh boy, what a, what a, what a rally there. It's in just GW run so far that it's unpredictable at this point in time. Exactly. The, the exactly. gap, GPS, let's give the earnings for that. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the gap was the other way. So Nordstrom had an earnings beat. The gap had an earnings miss. Yeah. Uh, the numbers there again from last night, 25 cents versus a 32 cent estimate. Sales beat. Uh, earnings obviously bottom of mind more important than than top line, uh, but that's the story in the gap. 
What do you think, Triple D? You got a, you got, you got someone. Refreshing. I'd be more inclined to buy the, I know, buy I know. the dip on it, just because it's like, okay, people are missed the retail rally. Now you get one stock that's you know pulling back, and Kramer's been pumping it too. So it's you know it's still the potential that Kramer could turn around and say, oh yeah, this is a dip I would buy. So you got that potential plug coming, and he's going to be on a, you know nine o'clock. So. I, I think I'd be more inclined to buy the dip on this, but again, it's been a big move. So where's your out? I mean, it was $16 two months ago. So I mean, I do see some congestion, this 2350 area from, you know, the dailies, if I'm looking at that, that's kind of where it bounced off. Exactly. From the yep, you got it. You so, got it so, you know, so maybe there, uh, but I, 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 I'm kind of interested in buying the dip on this one, but I would not want to see it just start taking out the 2350s and then start sleeking. So yeah, it's a tough place right off. Good, good call. Good, excellent call on this one because you got a buyer down here and they were first nibbling at 24 and then, you know, they got a, their fills and it went a little bit lower and it, it's just above that 2350 area. So if, if this doesn't like, just get slammed and take out 2350 then these people that are at least buying right now are going to have to buy into an up market so three lows in the same area that 2360 holding above here we'll see what happens but um you know gapping down after it capped up so a lot of short term just looks like there's some buying going around here 23 and a half this is one of the toughest days i mean even from the charts because you have some stocks that just ripped yesterday and then you have some stocks that were giving back some of the games like some of these ev stocks are really getting hit here hard this morning and you know got hit pretty good last night as well um it's a very very mixed market you know if you wanted to see how mixed you know bring up the uso and look at the uso it's up one and a half percent here and then bring up every oil stock, XOP down 1.5%, XLE down 1.3%. I mean, it's not very typical where you see oil actually rallying and every oil stock trading down. So it's a weird market today. And, you know, a lot of that probably just to do with, um, you know, profit taking in stocks that were way overdone. So they don't care what the individual oil stock's doing for a day because they're fully on taking profits. And what's going on with the workhorse? Because it is like imploding. WKHS. I mean, it's it's the same trade, is it not? Yeah, it's down thirteen percent though. This one's down a lot more than some of the other ones. So and it's wow, that got, that boy, that got right up near all time high. Yeah, <laughs> this one's ugly. Yeah. Now maybe we'll look for some news in that one. Uh, getting a little boost here off that data, and we don't need to go through all that mumbo jumbo. <laughs> but um, definitely uh, back here unchanged, folks. Going to be seeing that 36, 32, 50, 75 a lot today, I have a feeling. Yeah, I think I mean, the data. Yeah, the day. So, yeah, we boosted two, three <laughs> points. I, I mean, I, the, the stocks are telling you a different story than the indices because I'm just looking and I just see blood across the board. Like, spice flat. I'm like, what the hell's up? I mean, okay, there's Home Depot's up. I mean, I guess it's this rotation back into lockdown trade or something happening here this morning. I do see FedEx trading up. Um, a couple of your you healthcare what's stocks. What's up? HP, we're buying PCs. HP, well, we talked about that. You said you know? that yesterday, Dad. Yeah, you said that, buy the you said that exact same thing. I, I wonder who listens to this show because you, you said, you know, hey, everyone's setting up their home office. And uh, when I was doing my workout this morning, uh, CNBC, I mean, I guess it's kind of an obvious thing, but uh, yeah, let's go over that uh, HP Great. report. HPQ is the ticker. HPQ. I'm sorry. Um, Not Hamlet like in pain. 
No. Uh, EPS, 62 cents versus 52 cents. Sales, 15.3 versus 14.7 billion. So beat and a beat in the fourth quarter. For the first quarter, they gave guidance that was above the estimates, and they're raising their quarterly dividend from 17.62 cents to 19.38 cents per share. Triple D, I this you a get... couple times. I had it a couple times. I I'm knew you were going to trade that. this. I could tell. No, I, I didn't trade. Oh, it yesterday. oh, you didn't trade yesterday. No, I didn't trade on that. I don't usually trade. So just full, you know. I I typically don't trade the earnings. The main reason is that I have to babysit that position because it's moving around so much. The only time I ever trade earnings is when it's really slow and nothing going on, uh, because I'm doing so many other things. You know, I made like a you know like a couple hundred trades last night. Imagine having a couple hundred trades and then trying to babysit one that's got earnings. I can't typically be in the stock that's moving that much. I, I, I typically make, I, I typically, I think I can make money on those. Like I do fairly well when I do trade the earnings, just reading the tape, but it just takes a lot of time. And as a trader, you've got to always employ your time as in the best possible way. And you know, if I got a bunch of positions on, I'm just staring at Hewlett Packard because Not it's so time consuming. Yeah. I can't, you know, do other trades. So I typically, after hours, don't trade the leader. Sometimes I'll trade the, the sympathy plays with them, and that works well. But if you're trading the leader, the only days I'm really trading the leaders are when it's slow and there isn't much going on. The index isn't moving, and I'm just like, okay, I'm bored. So I'll go trade the earnings and try to make some money there. Okay. The only reason I said that is that uh, the big, you know, it had the big uh, 2150 it got down to. I'm not sure how that, uh, f- let's see how that fits in the yesterday's range. Uh, boom, boom. Yesterday's low, 2126. They didn't get there. But that would, I, you know, I was just thinking, you see this thing rally, you know, two and a half bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big, uh, on top of the rally that it's had since 1750. To see it up, you know, in the almost in a twenty-four handle. I mean, I I thought maybe you get a little down and dirty on the uh, on the uh, on the short side. I don't. It's gonna be hard for this thing to get back up to twenty-three ninety today. I mean, it's only traded one hundred seventeen thousand shares. Charts. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. Uh, let me look at the range from yesterday. See if I can look at this. I mean, I, I guess if anything. Uh, up a buck 18. Oh boy, trying to do too many things here. Hold on one second. All right, let's look at the range. You're trading above yesterday's, uh, you're gapping up in this one. I'd be more inclined to try and buy this if it got back near 22. And I don't know, this just seems like a pesky area. Don't have, I'm not real good on this one. I don't know. I would just use your see what happens at 23 opens up at like 23 goes to 2310 and then comes back down through the open. I don't think I'd want to be long it opens up. You can up. always take a pass. I mean, yeah, this is a good a point. This is a good yeah. point that you don't have to trade everything. If it doesn't look like a setup, move on. I mean, and I'm talking to Joel. I'm talking to individual traders. Everybody wants to be like, I got to make a trade. If you're just swinging at every pitch that's in the dirt, you're going to strike out all the time. I mean, if there's not a setup there, move on because there's thousands of stocks out there. There'll be a setup in something else. Don't sit there and look for something. If it doesn't bite me in the nose within two seconds looking at the chart, I move on because you know what? Something else will bite me in the nose. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing that traders struggle with so much is they're looking at like a universe of 10 stocks and they're trying to trade those stocks. That's why I look at the universe of 6,000 stocks. 
and then you know i've got lots of different ideas floating at me and i have filters you know scanners was showing me what's moving showing me what's making a new high on the session showing me where the momentum is going i mean this is you know how you know i find an edge okay where is the money flowing into okay it's flowing into this you know um you know and i try to decipher patterns you know quantitative edges from you know looking at these different patterns but if you're looking at a chart and you're trying to make a trade-off and yep, you're trying to find call. something you, 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 it's a good way to lose money. So, you know, I'm not in the game just to flip a coin and hope it goes my way. I'm in the game where I'm trying to find an edge. And that edge might be, you know, a chart pattern. It also might be a headline. It also might, might be a catalyst. But if you don't have any of those things, move on. Okay, move on then, pass. All right, uh, we'll do one more here and then we'll go to the chat. Let's just look at John Deere since they had earnings. This is really the only notable earnings report this morning, DE, and they are up on their report. EPS beat 239 versus a buck 49. Sales beat 9.7 versus $7.6 billion. So a beat and a beat for DE. Tough, tough uh, you know, this is just a stock that's had an incredible run, too. I mean, we went from $180 to $269. The stock is making new all-time highs. I never short a stock making a new all-time high. It did consolidate a bit. I mean, you're in blue sky territory, to take the words from Mark Chaikin. So who the hell knows where it's going to go? I mean, this is another one where it's run so far. Could I see it giving it back? Yeah. But is it a crazy enough market just keep buying it? Yeah. So this is a coin flip, and there's just no setup here for me. Uh, what stock is it? Deer. Oh, Off geez. of the earnings, DE. All right, let me take a look at John. I mean, Deer and Cat. I mean, these things have just been on fire. And Interesting this- that Cat is not rallying at all with wow. Deer here this morning. Usually, you will see a sympathy move with Deer and Cat, but I guess Cat already reported, so I guess we kind of knew what they had done, but... I just find it interesting that, you know, Cass is sitting there kind of collecting dust here while deer is trading up eight bucks. It's That's a big move. This thing, this thing chops around a lot. I would not be surprised. I mean, just keep an eye on right your pre-market high. See if it can take that out. But, I mean, it's a high-priced stock, and it moves around a lot. I wouldn't be surprised to see. I don't know if you get a gap fill in it, but um, may give some back. Not many earnings today. Next. All right. Yeah, let's go to the chat. Uh, there is one stock. This is a special request from Luke Jacoby. Uh, he's asking for your take on Neo. What do, you, what do you say to me this morning? He said he bought. I don't remember if he bought calls or puts. <laughs> Let me pull it up. <laughs> he's usually buying puts. I bet he bought puts. Uh, but, yeah, he, I mean, he, I, this again. We thought I thought Neo topped out seven trading sessions ago and had the really big dip, and that's when I sold my stock. I believe it was. Maybe I'm going back to even before that. But I mean, it felt like a blow off top yesterday in all the EV stuff. I think the EV, um, the easy trade is over here now. Could they bounce a little bit on some dips? Yeah, but these stocks that have went up a hundred percent, every stock, if your stocks went up a hundred percent last week or in the last two weeks. These are the stocks they are now slamming here this morning and started slamming yesterday, quietly slamming them yesterday. So, I mean, you know, besides Nordstrom, which is, you know, a, a different case because it was a reopening play. But if you're talking these small little tech stocks like the EV plays and the Jemayas, I mean, it's probably time to think about ringing the register. It's down five bucks, so it's hard to sell five points in the hole, but you'll see bounces. You know, this thing gets back up to 50-51, I'd sell it. I, but that's just me, you know, maybe long-term they're going to keep going higher. You know, XPEV just blew through it, but it's down 10 bucks here today. The things are not the easy pass straight up here now. Now you've got a little bit of pain 
few traders caught in it. So you could see a scenario here where, you know, they could cool off here for a while and still actually be in uptrends. So, I mean, you can look at this NEO, even the, or the XCPV, but the NEO, I mean, this thing could come back down to 40 and it would still kind of be, you know, the bulls are still in control here, but I don't want to lose 20% holding it down to 40, hoping for, you know, a bounce there and then it continues to go lower. So tough trades now, but I think I'd be a seller of rallies. Uh, I'm going to go back to originally what I said after it got lefted, right? Citron, uh, it came down and made a pair of lows at, right at the $41 area. And I mean, that's the area of support and it rallied hard off it. And that's still the area. I'm still keeping an eye on that. Uh, today, the pre-market low is just trading right on the lows of the session. So I think there's some room to go. I'm just going to keep, I don't think you're going to get a really a big breakdown in the stock until you take out uh, 41. And let's see some daily lows. If you don't hold this, Luke, if you don't hold 47.88, uh, your next daily low comes in at 44.68. All right, back to the chat. Uh, There's a few tickers I'd written down from earlier in the hour, but if you have any more, drop them in now. We'll take a look. I had written down CZR, not one we've looked at of late. It's been moving, though. I've, I've looked at it, and I've been trading it, and it's been I mean, straight I'm, up, yeah. along with the reopening trade. I mean, this reopening trade has just been hot as hell. The stock had the blow-off high uh, back on November the 9th. That's where you know it's been trying to get back up to, but you're running it over at supply because you caught a few people wow. up there. I mean, yeah, now now you're you're seeing some profit taking in all the reopening stocks here this morning. Is this a dip to buy? I, I I'd be so inclined. I don't know, you know, maybe if you got down in the 63, 64 area. Yeah. Wow, I don't know if I can just come up here. Like is this, is it is really a dip at sixty-eight to buy? Maybe. I mean, if you go to yesterday's low, if you really want to buy, you can go to yesterday's low and you know, lean on that. You always want something to lean on. Like, okay, where's my out? You know, first thing I'm thinking, you know, and again, you know, we've talked about this stuff before, but I haven't mentioned a lot. When I enter trade. I'm not thinking about how much money I can make. I'm thinking about how much money I can lose. What happens if I'm wrong? Where am I getting out? So if I was buying Caesar this morning, I'd probably stop out just below yesterday's low. You know, give it 30 cents below the low. Say it's like 67.30. And I'd say, okay, I'm wrong. Um, if I'm buying it like 68.05 and or it's trading right now or 68.20 because it's bid there. I mean, so you're risking a buck and, you know, you're hoping that the reopening stock the money just rotates right back into it. But then you're watching other stocks in the sector. You know, what are the other casinos doing? What's wind doing? What's Las Vegas Sands doing? What's MGM doing? What are they doing? You know, and then you got to look at those. And if they start to turn and start to go higher, then I don't even care what the chart looks like. I might just buy them because I think, you know, okay, this money's starting to rotate in the casinos. They'll come and they'll pick on this one too. I'm looking for the laggard. So, I mean, there's so many different things to think about when you're trading stocks that have a lot of peers in the group, like a a C Zebra R does. But to just call it here, there's nothing really there either. No, I mean, not much trading, uh, you know, 3,300 shares have traded in the pre-market. I mean, I'd be more inclined to wait on the on the dailies here and see what happens. Your, what is it, your two, three, and four-day lows are kind of in the same area, not super close. Uh, 62, 52, 60, uh, I'd, I'd say 63. I'd look at that. Uh, 63.07 is your two-day low. Now they're low at 62.52, 63.08. It's five bucks away from there. So that's tough. If you're looking to sell it, look for the mark. Uh, that was the high of the rebound. How is this thing at almost at all? Is this an all-time high for Caesars? I think this so. Is- Wait, uh, I should also mention it had tipped to Billy Ray because I didn't even bother to look in the pro, but I should have. And I, if I had, I would have seen that Morgan Stanley is downgrading them today 
Okay. Is that not incredible though, Joel? I know. In a COVID environment. What else do they did they have sports betting? Are they being they sports watched. betting? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Everyone does. No, I know, but are they a bigger component of it? Because why are they, you know, you look at a win. And I don't follow it closely enough to know this, but you look at a win and, you know, it, it made a high back in 2014, like $250. But, you know, from COVID, if we just look recently, it was 150 and you're a hundred bucks. So it's still off significantly from when COVID started. Las Vegas stands still off fairly significantly. They have this one making new all-time highs. I mean, so I guess maybe there's a bigger sports betting or there's something else happening with Caesars that I'm not familiar with. The, well, yeah. The stocks well, making new all-time remember highs. Remember that they bought William Hill, which is that huge British, uh, sports book okay so that's it so they're a bigger play on sports betting so like a DraftKings, and you know at least that's what i'm assuming i i assume that's what it is because this stock's obviously I mean, they well outperformed the other tra- traditional casinos yeah they, they, they paid four billion dollars it was, it was a big deal right uh, so like they're they're in the, they're probably ahead of win in that regard and, and las vegas hands for that matter so it's funny you can look at a chart and then you can just say they must have sports betting in there because it wouldn't <laughs> be up here like this so you know just just from looking at a chart you can decipher that yeah this has got to be a sports betting play so it's the way this works mgm yep. baby mgm that's all i gotta say you like MGM? mgm it's my favorite sports betting app that's the only thing i'll say it's my favorite We're moving though so app. so Okay, Mitch. So it's down 50 cents here today. You'd be buying the dip on MGM. You think this, this path of least resistance is still higher here for it? I mean, so, it's had a good run. I mean, this stock was five bucks at the COVID lows. You can just ignore all those, though, because that's when we thought everything was going bankrupt, zombie apocalypse style. So that didn't happen. But I mean, look at MGM now. We are only like two bucks off from where we were when COVID started. Doesn't that spook you a little bit? I mean, it's come all the way back. They still are a casino. My biggest thing is how they're going to really compete with the top uh, sports betting apps. Really, at the end of the day, I think everyone's talking about, you know, uh, Barstool Sports. Everyone's talking about Penn. And and like uh, Spencer just mentioned, that deal with uh, William Hill and, and Caesars. But I think people are forgetting that MGM usually has a little bit of, to me, uh, a more sexy name. Has like they, they spend so much money on advertisement that I think they draw in the crowd and then they worry about profitability later so i think you got to watch those two things how far do they push into the advertisement game to get the crowd to get the market share i'm torn on it just because i look at it and i think wow i've i don't see like i don't see it being cheap here now i mean it's back to where it was prior to coven maybe the sports betting is going to lift all the casinos but i just don't see casino activity going back to what it was prior to COVID. So why am I going to pay that? And with that being said, you look at Disney and it's striking almost new all-time highs, which is absolutely unbelievable considering that some of the parks are still closed. So, I mean, it is Disney stock is now looking completely past COVID. And I mean, and maybe that's the right way. And we've been talking about this for a few days now that, you know, the, the blinders are on and the market is now doesn't care about current deaths doesn't care about you know people getting sick at this point in time it's looking that we got the vaccine coming and in six months we're all going to be you know getting vaccinated and we're all going back to our normal way of life that's what the market thinks whether that actually occurs is the question but the market is pricing in that scenario especially in stocks like disney and mgm all of a sudden now too and maybe everybody's just gonna maybe we're gonna see this big boom you know jason rasnick and and myself were talking about this a couple weeks ago on the show and that's why I was buying the travel stocks. And that's so why I held some Norwegian cruise lines, because I think people are going to want to. But don't you think if you're really playing this thesis 
that everything is going back to normal. You look at Norwegian cruise lines, NCLH at 2240, down, you know, still 60% from where it was COVID. And then you look at MGM down like 3%. Don't you think, and throwing this to Mitch, don't you think like a Norwegian is a better play? So I think you got to look at all, all the kind of reopening plays. You can talk Norwegian. Um, I even mentioned, like, let's start looking at the hotels, like Hilton. And um, I talked to Spencer in the pre, pre-market show about Trivago, Expedia, Booking. You got to start looking at all these to see how traveling is really going to come back, right? I but think... all those, I wanted to stop you there for a second. But Hilton's mm-hmm. all the way back up to where it was. You're not getting it on a discount. You're not getting it on the cheap. I mean, Hilton is trading 108 bucks. It's where it was when COVID started. Okay, yeah. so, what's, so the, what's the old cliche? What's the old cliche? The market's always looking six months in the future, right? Isn't that it? Six months. Well, why, why is Norwegian and, and the cruise lines and the airlines not back to their highs? If we're gonna if we're gonna give the pass to Hilton, how is a hotel stock any different than a cruise line? Like, I'm just trying to. M- m- I'm make, saying make- there's might be a Paris trade here where you short Hilton and short MGM and buy Norwegian. And buy, you know, um, all these other laggards because there's a catch-up trade maybe happening. Here. Isn't that isn't that the market's way of saying, okay, yeah, there's going to be a huge rush for people to go away, but not on cruises. That's the that's the logical conclusion. Why would they not? Are they so they don't like cruises because, because we're all contained on the same ship? Like, like for a while there, like the like the Princess Diana had like the more cases than any country, like except for China. Right. I mean, cruises is, is how this thing kind of got started. Besides, you know, China notwithstanding, but like this cruise thing, they, that was bad for a while. What about the airlines? American Air is $14 from 2020. 20, oh, there, there was no there were no stories about people getting sick and then stuck on airplanes because that did not happen. But it happened on cruise ships. Well, uh, to, to add to add to Dennis, I would say you have to start looking at those airlines because this could just be the worst is in. The I think worst so. I think in, so. And if the worst is in, then I don't think they go back to that ten like American Airlines going back to that ten dollars. I don't think so either. I think I, yeah. I think if I'm coming in and playing reopening stocks right now, I'm buying the airlines and the cruise lines. Not what do you think, Hilton. Joel? I, 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 what do you think? Uh boy, I just these stocks at all time highs. I mean Marriott's know, you, got it yeah. all back, Joel. Yeah. MAR. They're all the way yeah. back. Darden restaurants, all the way back. I, I was looking I, at Trivago a little bit. Trivago looks a little bit cheaper. It's just starting to pop, but yeah, Expedia. Uh, I mean, that's one. come pretty much all Expedia. the way back. TripAdvisor, TripAdvisor's on the cheap. TripAdvisor maybe been the dog though, but it's come back from where it was. Priceline. What about Priceline? I still call it Priceline, but it's Booking. I know. BKMG. I still put PCL. I, I still put PCL in. I mean, it's trading above. Booking is trading above where it was during COVID. I mean, it's you're not going to deal on these things anymore. Uh, so the only deal you're getting out there right now is on the airlines and the cruise lines. I think there's a huge catch-up trade for the airlines and the cruise lines. I'd buy pullbacks on the airlines and cruise lines. I know own Norwegian, but I want to come in these other ones here too because if they're really going to, and maybe I short some of these other stocks against it, or maybe it's Spencer's thesis and people are never going to cruise again because they're saying, I don't want to be in a confined space on somebody for seven days with a book because, but I mean, you're going in a hotel or you're going to Disney World and stuff. I mean, a lot of germs there too so i don't know if that thesis holds water i just think they're they've i think they've just simply bought hilton and some of those stocks up too much i, I think the, the, what they're saying is it's a lower bar to clear for the hotels and for the travel sites than it is for cruise it takes a lot to want to go on a cruise right now i mean 
that's are there any cruises like no no and they're petri dishes so that's my point it's just like it's it's the cruise cruises are probably going to have a bit of a harder time coming back not to say they won't but that's what the market is obviously saying today so i don't don't like cruise i mean i've said this a hundred times i mean i didn't like cruises before COVID. Yeah, but your personal opinion on how you like cruises (laughs) don't like cruises has nothing to do with a lot of people that do like cruises. I went on one cruise once and it was awesome. Go to Alaska. You got to go to Alaska. Yeah. Uh, So anyways, I I, I go on a cruise if we get vaccinated. I've been paranoid all the hell of COVID. I've been one of the most scared people of the the thing altogether. But you know what? I get vaccinated and I want to go back to normal life and they tell me it's okay. Maybe, you know, I don't see any difference between going on a cruise or going to Disney World and touching every single ride that a billion other people are touching. I mean, I don't see the difference. I think you go on Disney World and you're in those confined spaces in the Haunted Mansion and everybody's breathing and coughing in the bloody thing and you're touching. They're not cleaning and wiping down those seats every time you have a new customer come through there. I'll tell you that much. Hold on to the handlebars. We're going up to this thing. Ah. You know, I'd rather, I think a cruise line's actually cleaner than Disney World. And they're giving Disney a pass. Maybe it's Disney Plus, but give me a break. So, I mean, Disney and Hilton and Marriott and all making new all-time highs or trying to make new all-time highs. Why not the cruise lines and the airlines? I'd be a it's buyer of the pullbacks to cruise lines and airlines. All right. Uh, I, I want to do a couple more tickers from the chat since we got on that t- uh, tangent there. Someone, and I forget who it was, and I wrote their name down, but somebody said, Johnson Johnson gets no love. Let's give Johnson Johnson some love. Boring stock. They don't like boring stocks on this show. Hey, somebody this is pulled re- back. Okay. I'd be a buyer. I, I'd buy Johnson Johnson here. 2.8% decent stock. It's not sexy. It's not the kind of stock that's going to rip and, you know, and you're going to make, you know, 50% on it in a week. But this is a pullback and it's probably a victim of everybody making so much money in the other stuff. They've been selling stuff like Johnson and Johnson and Procter and Gamble because, hey, they're not making, they're not going up 25% a week. So. But if you want safety, you want security, you want a company you know it's going to be there, and you want a company that doesn't just you know let lets allows you to sleep at night, having some J and J in your portfolio is not a bad idea. Yeah, maybe let it sneak down to uh, you know fill the gap. You had a gap that was probably on some vaccine news between one forty three nineteen and one forty four ninety two. You're kind of working your way into that area, so maybe find support at that um, old resistance. Just not that, like you said, it's just, it's kind of been an accordion chart here. Uh, and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. What about the trade desk TTD? Is this one still at highs? Yeah. It's just a stock that continues to go. And I mean, how do you stop? I don't short stocks make a new all time wow. highs. The run's been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the stock has just had a monster year from 200 to 800. It's the kind of stock probably stock goes from 200, 800 probably goes to a thousand. So, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be short it. It's, you know, and it actually is consolidated. I forget. It probably goes, it probably goes into the end of the year. It's one of these catalysts going to have Santa Claus rally just to like keep going. So, but I mean, don't kid yourself. This thing could have a hundred point down day in it too. And it's been an incredible run. So it's high risk, high reward. But if you're betting, man, I think it eventually hits a thousand bucks. Uh, just look at yesterday's range. If you're looking for a potential target, 858.73. Wow, this thing really moves around. Uh, and if you're trying to protect profits here, all-time closing high yesterday, 844.10. Uh, that's really, if it goes red, highest low it ever made was yesterday at 829.52. Wow, this this thing must be hard to trade. 800 stock 
$800 stock that traded 800,000 shares yesterday. This thing must have a spread you could drive a truck through. And let's do one more before I bring on our next guest. Let's do, oh, what the hell? Let's do Riot Blockchain. What the hell? Why not? Mara, Why not? Riot Blockchain. They're maybe, all... maybe, maybe there's another crypto post Thanksgiving crypto rally in. We'll see. Uh, you got that kind of, they kind of yesterday. yesterday. The Mara yeah. implored yesterday. The Riot did didn't have as much of a move as the Mara, but people, you know, you get down to four bucks on Mara from the six, you know, it, it almost did it yesterday. So I guess I should have had an order still sitting out there four twenty seven. You get near yesterday's low. Um, it's still money. There could still be some more, you know, pump in here because I think the crypto doesn't slow down. And if the, if the mass investing retail market believes that this is a way to play crypto, I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying these are these stocks. I think they eventually start to get hot again. So you know what? On Mara, I'd buy a pullback riot if it pulled back significantly. Yeah. Again, these are trades, not long-term investments, because I don't know if these companies are really what they everybody thinks. Well, yeah, are. what they think they are. Uh, you know, that red candle to contend with yesterday. So I think you're going to have some overhead supply. Don't want to see it go red on the day. If it does, what would, yeah, Dennis, you gave uh, yesterday's low as a, uh, a possible, um, uh, a possible entry on the long side uh, for riot. That was a, that was a bad day too. Uh, when you have that kind of candle now, some people are kind of stuck uh, this one. If it goes red, I'd be looking for six fifty. I think you're going to have to find an intermediate spot to sell. Oh, uh, well, seven fifty. I think you get up near there. You, you see sellers again, just, just the way it came so hard off it. All right, we talk all the time on our show about the quote unquote the Robin Hood trade, right? And yep. and what what the new traders on various free trading platforms are doing. Our next guest has direct insight into that. His name is Davis Gaines. He's the president of Gatsby, uh, and it's basically a, a Robin Hood for options. It's an it's a free options trading platform. I'll bring him on now, Davis. Good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. Morning, Spencer. Pleasure to join y'all. Uh, so you, as, as I just sort of mentioned there, uh, you know, you have direct insight and into what is happening on, on the newer side of the market, I guess, for lack of of a better term. Right. So tell us about what you're seeing among your client base in terms of, of market participation right now. Yeah, I think the foundational piece of information for what's going on right now is the idea that with free commissions started by Robinhood a few years ago, the friction in trading has just gone way down. One of your guests mentioned a minute ago a, a name that probably had a spread you can drive a truck through, and that's really become you know the focal point if you think about transaction costs and trading costs when you're trading, as opposed to commissions and fees, which used to be a pretty significant amount of trading. So Robinhood, Gatsby, there are a few of us who literally charge nothing. And even the big players, you know, the Schwab's E-Trades and all, they're still only charging maybe $7 a trade in terms of the ticket fee. So as costs have come so far down, it's become much easier for speculators, especially small sides, to get in and out of names and to speculate on a much more regular basis than they did historically. So I'm just curious, like, what what you're seeing from your clients in terms of how right. how they trade right now. So uh, a lot of day trading with uh, with with Gatsby, it's in cash account only. So whatever your settled funds are, you can make 10 trades in and out during the day as long as you're only using the money you started the day with, as opposed to option account, uh, margin accounts, which are subject to day trading rules where you need to have a certain amount of money in the account or have a limit. 
So that's another you know, aspect of making it easy for people to go in and out. The big names, a lot of the names y'all were talking about, whether they're popular because earnings are coming up or names like Tesla and Uber that have been popular for, for months and months and months are just seeing big volume. And clearly for the first time ever, they're often impacting the market more than the institutional community. I mean, I, I grew up on the institutional side. Gatsby is my first, uh, uh, my first experience running a retail broker. I've been on the vendor side selling products to retail, but never running a retail broker. And it's fascinating that again, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago when a stock moved, it was institutional participation with retail following. And I think what we're seeing now in many cases are the retail folks moving a stock and institutions figuring out, you know, is this short-term emotional? Is this impacting my long-term thesis? How do I handle that? So it's definitely changed the dynamic for many names. Are, are you surprised at all by like the names that you see most trade or is it exactly what you'd expect? It's what you'd expect. It took me a while to figure it out. I've got two kids who are millennials. My son is into it. And they started talking about, you know, dad, what about Zoom? What about Peloton? These names that I, were not on my radar screen as investments long before they became on my radar screen. And again, I began to realize, you know, the, the current generation I think is much more, and when I say that, you know, 20 years old to 35 years old, they're much more interested in what's going on with corporate America, you know, public companies, private companies, people coming out with products and are they good and are they going to take off if they're an investable asset? And they're, they're watching them and they're speculating and investing in and on them, which again, we haven't seen historically in anywhere near the numbers we're seeing today. You, you mentioned your background. Uh, can you just speak to, I mean, how ridiculously easy it is for like a new retail trader right now because yeah. I almost honestly this is maybe like a, a hot take or an unpopular take but I almost feel like in some cases it's like almost a little bit too easy like if you think back to how hard it was how many barriers there were like 10 20 years ago even five years ago I mean it's just so easy right now yeah I mean you know humans like to gamble and speculation in the stock market is to some extent gambling and it is easy. And, you know, my, our hope at Gatsby anyway, is to help people not blow their money is to help people not make bad trading mistakes because it is easy. And there's a foundation of knowledge. I think everybody needs to understand in order not to be blowing money, but because it's real money and it is easy, you know, people come in and they get burned and they step back and they decide this isn't for me. I get, you know, emails from clients who say, this isn't for me. I wanted to try it. Please close my account. And other folks slowly but surely gain that foundational knowledge. They learn how to do it and they enjoy it and they make money at it sometimes, sometimes not so much. But compared to 10, 20 years ago, to your point, from a regulatory perspective, it's gotten easier to open the account because of self-directed brokerage and the idea that the client is taking it all upon themselves and not relying on the investment advisor or the broker dealer. And obviously from a technology perspective, it's no longer about downloading software, you know, dial up when I started my career in terms of getting online, you know, take your phone, you can be up and running within, you know, two, three hours or less with money in your account and trading. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's someone just put in our chat. I think this is funny. The Occupy Wall Street gang turned into the Robin Hood crew as they matured. Um, <laughs> Why the Wall Street yeah. got all the <laughs> Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I, I guess you're right. And that kind of, that was really good when I kind of threw off my, my train of questioning there. But oh yeah, you mentioned you try to help people and it's not just about encouraging gambling. How is Gatsby doing that? Okay, so let me, let me share with you my, my one piece of trading advice. I'm not a trader. I never have been, but I've been selling to traders my whole life. And 
This is advice uh, that I think is fantastic when you think about options. There are two decisions that you make when you're buying or selling an option that are important in whether or not you're successful. The first one, which is true for any asset, anything you're trading, you have to predict the future, right? You're making an investment or a trade, it's going up or it's going down. You must be right, period, end of subject, that's easy. With equities, that's the decision. With a bond, that's the decision. When you look at options, A, you have to tell the future, but then you've got to buy the right option. And that's the challenge. I mean, we have so many folks who are picking that right direction, but they're getting crushed because they're buying, you know, the option that expires tomorrow, not understanding time value, not understanding that as of tomorrow, if it doesn't move as much as they hope, that thing's going at zero. So educating people on that second piece, how far out do I want to buy? How big a move am I looking for is huge. And I don't mean educating them as this is the exact one to buy, but helping people understand that if you're looking for a 40% move in Tesla tomorrow, it is highly unlikely that's going to happen and you're likely throwing your money down a hole. And I, you know, that's a real story. I had a guy come in very upset. He said, I bought Tesla this morning. It's up 20%. How can my option be down? You know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. And the answer was Tesla went up 20%, took out all the volatility. It was the move that, you know, the move and people walked away from the rest of it, knowing it wasn't going any further and he lost his money. And, and that is so typical. We've all had it happen. So learning the strike price, and the, the, uh, how far out you want to go. And obviously, it's obvious right, to you and your, your, uh, many of the traders that are listening to this, but that is the critical factor. You've got to get that right. And we're trying to help by illustrating some of those facts. It's direction and it's timing. And that, that, that timing layer is what separates options from yep. straight equities, obviously. Um, so tell us about Gatsby. What, what, what can you do? What can't you do right now? We started with a very basic platform. Our idea was really two groups were looking for it. There are a lot of folks we believe that want to trade options. And I think this has been proven out over the past year. We, we started the company about 18 months ago, first launched about nine or 10 months ago. And I think, again, it's been proven out that people want to trade options, but options are complicated. Options are you know, more complicated, obviously, than just buying or selling a stock. So what we tried to do is build a simple foundational piece that would help people learn one step at a time what to do and how to do it. So when you open our app and you pick the stock you want to trade, we basically ask you three questions. What do you want to trade? Is it going up or down? And how far out do you want to buy it? And again, we phrase the question on the screen so you understand, if you understand plain English what it is, you can make a choice and it's not a fancy, complicated screen full of analytics, et cetera. So that was the starting point, long only, we don't allow you to exercise. We sell everything out on expiration. And now we're starting to add features and functionality. So we're beta testing spreads right now. We're going to be coming out with a debit spread product before the end of the year. And we'll add the rest of the spreads on over time. We'll be adding, obviously, with that margin accounts. And we, we want to add complexity so that initial user group can kind of grow with us. At the same time, we found we were popular with two groups, one of which we didn't expect. One are people who want to day trade and don't want to deal with margin account and the PDT rules. So they like the idea, experienced traders, that they can trade day trade in the cash account in effect. And then secondly, for experienced traders, it's simply easy and quick as an app. You open it up, there's not a lot of complexity to it, there aren't a lot of screens to it. So I think we have a lot of pros who are out there and when they're out of the house, they're away from their, their workstation, we're one of the sources they can use to get something done. Yep. And one thing I'll add is, you know, I've been on, on the Gatsby app. They, they don't present 
the information, as Davis just said, they don't present options chains in like a conventional options chain way. So if you don't know what an options chain is, you could like, first of all, you probably should, but uh, they, they don't present it in that way. So it, it really is geared towards someone who, 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 is a beginner but wants to learn because it's not you, you don't feel overwhelmed by just right by the information and, and the mirror the mirror image of that is the person that knows exactly what they want to do and right. they don't know need the chain they just go to the one they want and that's that experience trader i think by the way yeah. one of the interesting things we've seen nobody that i've talked to has one option account everybody is using multiple brokers typically really? for different kinds of reasons whether they like the research better they like the app better they like the workstation versus the mobile everybody's got multiple option accounts and choices. Interesting. Interesting. This is a question from our chat. I, I don't know if you have an answer for me, but uh, mm -hmm. do you have any, any opinion on like what would happen or implications if there were to be like a trade tax implemented? I don't, I don't know. They've, the Democrats have talked about that. I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't it, think it will either. Yeah, yeah we, we don't think it's going to happen. I mean, by definition, if it happens, people will trade less. I think yeah. for our audience, I think for the, the you know, the quote unquote uh, retail crowd, it's not the sort of thing that matters a lot. You know, it, it, it frustrates me. In fact, back to the education piece, people aren't paying attention to things like spreads. I had, a, you know, someone come in yesterday, it was zero bid, offered at 50 and they put in a market order. And I just watch people throw away money like that. And I hate it. But an awful lot of people, you know, they're worried about the big moves. So whether it's a tax or a spread, they're, they're not terribly focused on that. The institutional community, the professional community, you know, who have much, much narrower profit margins than they used to, that's who it'll impact. And that's why I don't think it'll happen. It'll really, it'll really damage Wall Street in terms of the ability to supply liquidity. And I think we'll see market participants leave the market. And then uh, one thing I want to wrap up with here is, don't see this very often, but you guys are actually raising money now. You're, you're doing your first, your first round and it's a crowdfunding campaign, yeah. right? We actually don't, th th that didn't take off as much as I think people thought it, it would with, with, with the Reg A thing from the Jobs Act. But you guys are actually in the midst of your Series A and you're doing it on Seed Invest. Yep. This is fascinating. Okay. The, the, um, a Reg A offering is very analogous to an IPO for small companies. So a company like Gatsby, we're raising $5 million. We're, we're not going to do an IPO, obviously, but our best investor is retail. I mean, those are the folks who are using the platform. They know the business. They know the competitors. So we were introduced to this in the, in the midst of COVID. We're talking to VCs. We got our initial funding from VCs. We're doing a little bit more now. But somebody said to us, why don't you look at crowdfunding? Seed Invest actually did part of our seed round. Did a great job. We raised exactly what we wanted to. And we found there's a real symbiote, symbiotic relationship between our actual customers and our actual investors now. And we love that idea. From our perspective, we're looking to raise money to build the business. Where the money comes from is not terribly important. And we like the idea of our customers, the potential customers, essentially being at the core of our investment. And by the way, it's worked really well. We're raising exactly what we hope to. I guess if you're interested, seedinvest.com slash Gatsby is, is the uh, <laughs> more about that. If again, I, 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 you don't see that very often because I don't feel like uh, the crowdfunding thing really, like you heard about it a lot more a few years ago than you do now. Uh, but it, sometimes it, things, they take a long time to gain traction. The, the yeah. whole idea of how IPOs are done with the big Wall Street banks earning 7% for every deal. That's been under fire for over 20 years. It's going to change. The question is, how does it change? What, what's the new model? The crowdfunding is, is one, probably not for the $500 million raise. 
um, yep. Dutch auctions or something that have occurred a number of times, direct We've seen listing We've seen on the exchange. With, with SPACs this year, direct listing last year with Spotify this year, or, and also with Slack and then yep. the SPACs this year. So yeah, it, it's common that, you know, in tech, in FinTech, one yeah. of the interesting things I saw early, I grew up at a company called Instinet. That was the first electronic trading firm that let fund managers and brokers trade with each other. And I was, I was right out of school. And I realized within a year, this is what's happening. The only question is, who makes it happen? How does it happen? What's the model? And that was one of my conversations with the very skeptical traders and portfolio managers I met with on a regular basis. And, and then you start looking at different segments and different niches as you, uh, you know, move into different businesses. And there are certain areas where you just know what's going to happen. So again, the, the models of how companies raise money, they're changing slowly, but surely it's tough to move, you know, move the aircraft carrier just a matter of time. That's true. All right. Davis Gaines is the president of Gatsby. The website is trygatsby.com. Davis, I appreciate your time today. Have a good holiday and uh, we'll talk again. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Tony. All right. Um, that's it for us. Uh, that's it for I'm the only one left here, but uh, I want to say hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate that. Please rem remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Mitchell will be on at 11 a.m. with the SPAC show. Joel and I will be back at 3.40. And again, we are off tomorrow for the holiday. If I don't see you, if I don't speak to you, everyone have a good one. And uh, good luck with your trading wherever you are and stay safe out there. We'll see you in the afternoon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.